Are you looking for a resource to discuss all topics air conditioning? Well, you're in the right space. Join the Rawson boys as they discuss the hot topics and the cold hard facts. This is the Air Conditioning Podcast. All right, guys, welcome to the Air Conditioning Podcast, uh, where we discuss all things air conditioning, the hot topics, and the cold hard facts. Welcome back. We're back for another uh, episode. Another round. How are you, Brad? Oh, not too bad yourself. Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. It's good. Yes. I'm getting used to this now. Yeah, well, we're slowly getting the comfy slippers on, aren't we? <laughs> it's going to take a while, though. Exactly. But, um, yeah, pointy end of the season with the with the footy. Yeah, the sun's starting to come out, and it's... Uh, Birds are singing, starting to look nice mm, out there. Mm. Crows didn't make the finals. No, no. They're Very all, all over for another year. But yeah. Never mind, that's the way it goes. Always next year. There is. That's right. So look, what we thought we'd do today, guys, is we're just going to do a follow-up to our, uh, one of our previous episodes where we did some, um, some frequently asked questions, questions that we get asked uh, frequently. Yep. Funny that. Um, so yeah, uh, last time we touched on uh, ducted systems, and this this round we thought we'd talk about uh, some FAQs when it comes to wall split systems. So um, so one of the questions that comes up quite a bit is um, how do I know that my wall split system is going to be big enough to do a given room? Mm. So I mean, um, it's it all comes down to the what size the room uh, or the area that you want to condition is and other factors like is there a lot of glass is it high ceilings um, things like that so um, you can do a, a quick calculation um, to give and give you an idea of whether your system is big enough um, just using your square meterage um, times that by 135 generally which is your watt, watts per square meter um, that should give you a, a figure in in watts um, then you can have a look on on a brochure or whatever um, or on the side of the system generally there's like a um, um, a name plate that says that this you know the unit unit size in in kilowatts it might be five five kilowatts or six kilowatts um, just compare it to that that's going to give you an idea of you know whether the unit's actually big enough to handle the area or if you're buying a new system then obviously you can do that calculation to give you an idea of, of, of what you need to buy um, so what and, you're saying uh, is like um, so it's not I mean we I do hear a lot of people say about the the physical size of the unit it doesn't yeah. matter what the physical size is no, it's more to do right. with the actual output of the, the the compressor capacity yeah that's right. exactly yeah. right and then i mean these days the with the technology the the units are actually getting smaller um and the capacities are getting getting larger for the the size of the units so that's not a not a good indication of, um, of whether that's going to be a big enough unit for the area. So you really do need to do that calculation. If you do it, if you do that, and and you find that um, the unit is too small um, and your your power bills are a bit too high, obviously um, what's probably happening there if you've got an inverter system, the the inverter unit is ramped up and it's doing a lot of work um, for a fair bit of the time. Therefore, it's using more power, and then um, and that's that's what you're seeing in your power bill. If you've got a system that's the right size for the the area, 
then it's, it's only going to do the amount of work that it needs to and then it can actually slow down, the, the inverter compressor can slow down and, um, and that's when it's using, uh, you know, it goes into the energy um, saving zone I suppose. So what we're saying is the, the quicker we can get that compressor to slow down or ramp down, yeah. the, the cheaper it's going to cost to run. But if, exactly. it's, if it's going to be undersized, it's going to spend more time ramped up trying to maintain temperature, yeah. therefore running costs are increased. And I think that's a misconception that a lot of people have, and that is that if you've got a smaller capacity unit, then it's going to be cheaper to run, which is quite the opposite, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. I mean, that basically means that that unit is going to be working harder for a lot longer um, at its maximum capacity, even though it may not at, it, at its maximum draw as much as the larger unit, but it's going to be staying up at that 100% for, for a lot longer period of time. So mm -hmm. therefore, you, uh, you, your power bills are going to be higher. Yeah. So when you said about using a calculation of 135 watts per square metre, now there's, there's obviously lots of variables around that and you need yeah. to speak to your local dealer, I guess, um, to, to sort out what, what is you know, the most appropriate um, calculation to use yeah. based on your uh, the, application, you know, your application yeah. but also where you're living as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. comes into yeah, play as well. Right. But let's just do, use a scenario. So 135 watts per square metre, that covers up to about three... Three meters ceiling height is that that's about right, isn't it? Oh yeah, you could roughly. Yeah, roughly. Okay. Up to, so up assuming we've got sort of standard windows, haven't got excessive amounts of heat coming through the uh, west-facing glass, things like that. But if we said, you know, um, a room that's say say 40 square meters, and we times that by 135 watts per square meter, it comes out roughly at uh, 5.4 uh, kilowatts or 5,400 watts. So. Um, in that case there, you, 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 you're probably going to be okay with a 5 kilowatt machine given that the, uh, a, a 5 kilowatt machine actually ramps up to yeah, we'll whatever do it does, a little bit more than that. or whatever. Um, if, it was, if it was me, I'd probably jump up to the next one, maybe yep. a 6 kilowatt unit just yep. to make sure you're covered. Yep. Um, just going to get that job done a little bit quicker and then uh, it, it can get back into the energy saving range. Yep. So as a, as a, a, a sort of a roundabout... Uh, rule of thumb: If if it if it, you're already creeping into that next bracket of the next uh, size yeah, unit, just go, just go the, to the next one to be safe. For the extra in the in the cost of the unit, which would be minimal, um, you're going to get that back in your in your in your power bill in the in the next uh, year or so. Yeah. In your running costs. Yeah. So um, I've got a uh, another question here. Uh, how many rooms can my wall split condition? Um, so you might want to want to tackle that one. Yeah. Um, well, I guess the probably the short answer for that is that um, there there's been um, some misinformation about you know if you get a larger capacity unit you expect it's going to you know flow down the passageway into the bedrooms and this and that. There's not necessarily the case. I mean, of course, there's things that. Um, will factor into that like the floor plan or the, the plan layout yeah. um, but essentially the wall split system has this the temperature sensor on the indoor unit so what it's going to do is it's going to condition the immediate space it's installed in first once it's happy that's been conditioned then the compressor will start to slow down um, and it may not necessarily be the case that if you've got a 
um, larger capacity unit, it's, it might reach temperature quicker, therefore slow down quicker. Yeah, that's right. But so you get that sort of short cycling effect. But, yeah. Um, I mean, you can, to a point, you can overcome that by maybe turning the, if you were on cooling, you might turn the temperature down a bit, a bit more um, to get the uh, unit to to condition more and for a longer period of time. Therefore, um, with the fan on high, you might you may be able to, to push the air down the hallway um, or into another area. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, the unit's really designed to do one one room. That's mm. that's what it's designed to do. You can you can get the air into other areas, but it's um, it's a little bit uh, you're not we you can't really tell until you until the system's in I suppose yeah. really. and each home I suppose is going to be different mm. and like I said before the floor layout's going to be determined whether you can or can't I mean mm. if I mean these days if you've got a, a fairly open plan sort of home and you might have a couple of bedrooms off then you know I, I guess if if you've got a maybe ceiling fans in there and you've you know, got those on a slow rotation to help draw some of that conditioned air in, that's a possibility. Yeah. But you don't want to hang your hat on it either. No, that's right. No. Yeah. I mean, generally, it, it will it will get into those other areas at some point. It, um, but um, you, to, that's also, um, if, you're, if you're looking at efficiency, that's not the best way to do it either. So <clears> you, <throat> for efficiency, you're looking to do that one area that the unit is in um, you can set your temperature to you know 22 24 whatever and the unit will um, just work sorry that. I'll just turn that off uh, so the unit will just uh, work to keep that area conditioned so it's going to be working much more efficiently than trying to do more than it's designed to do yep so Short answer is how many rooms can it do? That will depend on the application, yeah. and uh, you want to at least make make sure that if you have got adjoining rooms with an open archway or open doorway, whatever, then you're catering for that yeah. in your heat load calculation. And I think it comes down to getting someone out there that knows what they're talking about, come and have a look at it, uh, and say yes. I think you know you will get some some sort of effect in those areas that you're looking to do, um, or not, or not. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So the wall split systems, like any uh, air conditioning system, has a filter. Yep. Um, how, how, why, wet, and when, and all that to, to clean. Yeah. Um, uh, probably, I think most of the time you you generally would clean it at least probably once a year in in, in a domestic home situ situation. Um, I suppose it depends on how much foot traffic and so forth is, is going through the area. You might have uh, some um, building going on in the area that is creating more dust that's going to get drawn into the house. Yep. So therefore you'd want to check it um, a bit more regularly. So probably generally you'd want to have a look at it maybe once every six months, maybe uh, to, every, to 12 months. Um, but that just depends, as I said, on, on the usage. So check it every six months just to make sure. Um, and I guess other other factors that can determine that will be whether you've got carpet versus tiles or floorboards, yeah, if pets, you've got pets, all that, that sort, sort of, of stuff. Yep, so, okay. All right. Um, and, yeah. and in terms of cleaning it, so just explain how that's generally done with a, with most split systems. Yeah. So most most split systems, the front cover will lift off or will lift up in some way. So you'd pull it on um, on either side. You can lift it up, it'll either click into place and stay there or just hold it up. 
and then the filters generally just lift up the filters slightly and then pull towards you and then they'll, and they'll come out. It's just a matter of giving them a wash with the hose, um, let, them, let them dry out in the sun for five minutes and then put them back in there. It doesn't even matter if, it's, if they're uh, slightly damp when you put them back in, that's not going to matter at all either. Yeah, and if it's, um, I mean, you can, unlike the, the the standard washable filter media, like you'd have an inducted system, you can use a vacuum cleaner on these because it's a bit yeah, more durable. Yeah. And I just find, that, you know, the water water is a better way of, way to do it. Yep. Just give it the hose with a, just a bit of a uh, spray on the hose and it'll come off really easy. Now, we may have touched on this question, but why why clean a filter? What's what's the point? Well, if you if you don't clean your filter, you'll find that the, the units get surprisingly dirty and um, and it will actually draw... Uh, well, for, firstly, if the filters get, get... They will get to the point where they get blocked. And uh, if they get blocked, that can cause a lot of um, strain on the... The little fan motor that's in there that's that's pushing the air out so you'll find that um, that can um, that can damage the fan motor it won't last as long um, it can also get a certain amount of that dust will make it its way through the filter or around the filter and and then embed itself in the coil once once it's in the coil it's very difficult you, you really need someone to come out and and clean the coil for you um, and uh, otherwise it's it's almost like having dirty filters all the time regardless of whether you've got a filter or not you know mm-hmm. um so you're better off just to keep the filters clean the whole thing will breathe better um uh, if it's if the filters are dirty it can cause pressure um, gas pressure issues as well so the unit can eventually cut out on some sort of a, a safety come up with a code or whatever mm. and just stop working so you'll need to get someone out so it's it's easier and cheaper to to uh, to just keep those filters clean and it's it's going a long way to to just being a more reliable system for you just with that little bit of maintenance yeah and when when um when you look at the range um of brands available on the market today it mm. is quite it's quite extensive and some brands are going to be cheaper than others. Um, yeah. Others are going to be at the top end of the market in terms of price, but often mm. that's for um, good reason too. Oh, that's right. It's like like buying a car or, or anything. You know, you get you pretty much get what you pay for, don't you? Yeah. So you yeah pay peanuts, you get monkeys, yeah, as they exactly. say. But um, you can get a you can get a, a a split system online, really cheap. But you know that that system may only last two years. Are uh, you going to be able to get parts for it? Probably not. So at the end of that two years, you may you may be throwing it away and putting a new one in where you get a decent brand unit um, and uh, it's going to last you, you know, that hopefully that 10 years that you're, look, you're hoping it for it to last. Yeah. yeah. Passing track. Um, so, um, yeah, and some of the reasons, I guess, that you would consider a reputable brand is... Um, uh, well, number one, you look at efficiency. Um, yeah. So you've got your star ratings. That's one me- measure. that You've got the coefficient of performance and the energy efficiency ratios, which you can, we might touch on that a bit later because it's a little bit more in depth. But um, those factors will sort of, uh, they're a good, a good measure to compare with mm. um, to determine the, the efficiency of various units. As you said before, Brad, the, the parts um, can be an absolute nightmare to try yeah. and track down. The minute you get a printed circuit board or a, you know, yeah. a problem like that, then you could be chasing your tail trying to track down parts and therefore you, 
and quite that, often. That's what we've found in over the years when people have bought these mm. um, cheap Chinese units off off eBay or whatever. They may be fine while they're while they're new and they're they're operating okay, but um, as soon as you need to get parts for them, um, you pretty much you're stranded. You're not you're not going to be able to get parts, and and that's when. Unfortunately, you have to change the unit over again. And, and more often than not, at the time when you need it the most is like your plus 40 degrees. That's when yeah, it's going exactly to fail. Right. Yeah, exactly uh, right. So you forever... They're not really them. designed for Australian conditions. You know, you, you basically um, you, yeah, get what you pay for. And just on that further, so I guess you, you look at your spare parts under the, the, uh, the umbrella of support. Mm. And support is obviously a big one to, to look at. Um, you know, most brands these days or, or reputable brands have a five-year parts and labour warranty. Um, but I guess one important factor when it comes, it's all very well to say it's got a five-year warranty, but who's actually looking after you should something mm. go wrong? Yeah, that's right. And you don't want to have a situation where, you know, you're thrown into a, uh, the lion's den and, and on a, a, a call centre scenario where you're waiting, you're, you're a number in a queue, you then get outsourced to someone else and... In the middle of summer. Yeah, in the middle of summer. So you can expect longer than necessary delays and all that sort of stuff. That's right. That's where you... It's it's ideal if you go to someone who is a reputable dealer um, that have got a good reputation. They generally will will help you out with your warranty. They can even um, speak to the manufacturer on your behalf if they need to. They may have their own service people. Um, So I suppose in a way... Even if you are uh, paying a little bit more for that unit uh, than going to your um, large retailer or, or hardware chain, um, you're probably going to um, make that up in um, your after-sales service um, if there is any problems in the future. Yeah. Uh, which is going to make a difference on a when when you're in the middle of summer and uh, it's uh, 38 degrees and your air conditioner's not working. Um, it's it's good to have that bit of backup. Yeah, peace of mind. Whereas every, every, everyone's busy, um, it's hard to get people there. If you've got someone that, that probably cares a bit, it's it's good to uh, to have that backup for you. Yeah, and just um, we sort of touched on uh, warranty there. Warranty in most brands these days, as, as I said before, is generally five years parts and labour. Um, and probably a question that comes up a bit, under a manufacturer's warranty, what is actually covered and what's mm. not covered? Now you could say, well, you know, if if there's a, someone hasn't sort of cleaned their filter, as you said before, and and the filter becomes blocked, it's caused problems with the fan motors and what have you. Obviously, that's considered neglect, yeah, or uh, and and it's not being maintained properly. Yeah, that's They're, right. Those sort of types of issues are not. It's um, like covered. Um, it's like having a car. You buy a new car and and you don't have it serviced in that. Um, you know, first 12 months, and there's an, a warranty issue, they're going to say, well, you know, you're, uh, you haven't had your car service, so therefore you, we can't cover your warranty. But um, So, yeah, it's very much uh, that little bit of maintenance that you do, whether you do it yourself or you get um, a company in to do it, um, it's definitely well, well worthwhile. Yeah. That's good. So, um, so I think we've we got? covered those under wall split category pretty well. Um, these are just some more generic questions we've been asked. And um, so we've briefed on this one before. What, why is it important to make sure the capacity size is right for my home? 
Again, that is purely based on the fact that if it's undersized, um, the compressor is going to be running running longer kilowatt hours to maintain temperature, and therefore your running costs go yeah. skyrocketing through the roof. That's the same whether it's a split system or a duct system. It doesn't exactly matter. Yeah. yeah, and that puts putting undue or unnecessary um, uh, pressure on the on the compressor and all mm. the working components because they're working longer and harder to to do the job. So. Um, if I get a smaller size unit, will this uh, decrease my running costs? No, I think we've touched chestnut. on that as yeah, well. So, yeah. um, but again, exactly what you just said. So the smaller the size unit, not necessarily the smaller running costs. So yep. in fact, it can be the opposite. It can increase your running costs. Yeah, so definitely. Yep. Uh, make sure that unit is the correct size. Now, this is a question that comes up a bit during uh, during winter. And uh, often we get people calling us freaking out. Oh, there's water, you know, pouring out the bottom of my unit. I haven't seen it before. You know, just explain that a bit further. Yeah, so the, the systems um, will actually create a condensation. So uh, on heating, the, the condensation comes from the outdoor unit. Um, so what, ha what happens, it actually um, condensates on the outdoor coil. And, um, and from the outdoor coil, it runs down into the bottom of the unit and then comes out, out the bottom of the unit uh, and can, in some cases, create a bit of a mess. You know, you can get mould and stuff around the units. Um, you can actually get uh, drain kits um, or you could have a tray of some sort made up to go underneath the unit to direct the, the water to a drain or a drainage point or, or something like that. So that's that, that sort of thing is available. Um, some people won't worry about it, some, some will. But it actually, um, it is indicating that the unit is working okay. So um, if, you, if you're worried about the water coming out the bottom of the unit, there's nothing wrong, it's perfectly normal. Um, it's just a matter of whether you're worried about if there's mould growing on the pathway or or uh, or not, you know, you, you can put that drainage kit on there if you want to stop that. And is that the same in summer? The same in summer, except um, you won't, you probably won't notice the condensation as it's on the indoor unit. Um, and generally that's, that's uh, piped into a a sewage point somewhere if it's a, a new if it's a newer house or in the older style uh, houses they may be uh, directing the condensate water straight into the um, the gutter somewhere um, so uh, it you may actually get some uh, some water in your gutter, gutter during summer and it's probably likely to be coming from the indoor unit of your air conditioning system so just to just to cross that off we're saying that in winter, comes from the outdoor unit. Yep. In summer, comes from the indoor yeah, unit. That's right. Yep. Okay, and that's probably why people don't really notice that you go through summer not not realising yeah. there's water coming being produced and then or condensation, and then that come winter time they walk past the unit and go wow what's that and that's another thing that does come up a bit too um, when you get a whoosh of steam coming up from the end mm. and it makes that big whooshing sound. My air conditioner's on fire. Yeah, what's going on? Is it smoke coming out of it? Yeah, so that. Uh, the smoke coming out of your your system generally that'll happen when it's you get those really cold nights or mornings, um, steam. and you get yeah steam coming out. And what happens is the unit's actually going into de-ice mode. It pumps hot air into the outdoor oh, sorry hot gas into the outdoor unit, um, and while it's doing that, it generally turns off the fans, and then all after a few minutes, all of a sudden the, it 
the fans will come on and you'll see a big puff of steam coming out of the front of your unit. So that's perfectly normal. Leave the, leave the unit, do its own thing and it'll come back on and, and start heating again. And um, you may not even notice it's happening inside. You might just walk past the outdoor unit when it happens to have done a de-ice cycle and, mm. and you notice it. So there's nothing to worry about. It's, it's perfectly normal. And, and people can get a bit of a shock when they see or, oh, or hear it. Yeah, they think yeah. there is something wrong, which it makes is a whooshing noise as well. And what the, yeah. the first reaction is, they go and turn the unit off, thinking that they're doing the right thing, but in fact, it's not allowing it to go through that de-ice yeah, process. Yeah, right. you're so better off. Just let it go through its own cycle, and it will come back on and uh, and go through back onto the heating cycle, and, and away it goes again. And it's trying. What that's trying to do is get any um, any ice build up off the outdoor coil. Because um, as soon as that starts to build up, obviously the efficiency of the system drops. So therefore, it's trying to do that de-ice to keep the um, work unit working at its maximum efficiency as well. So, so what happens if, if it's not de-icing properly? Let's say that's not condensating, that ice is building up on that coil on the outdoor unit. What What's the consequence of that? I mean, you said before, uh, just, just now, about the uh, makes it less efficient. Mm. But how does it actually happen? Well, if there's if there's if there's an issue, it might be something like a fan motor or or something like that. Maybe even a, um, a piece of plastic's been sucked up onto the back of the, the coil or something something silly like that, um, and it, it re reduces the amount of airflow across the that coil, so it can't. Uh, it actually builds up a a, um, a I suppose a coating of ice. And what will happen is that just keeps getting worse and worse. It compounds itself. Um, it literally turn, it'll turn the back of the unit into a solid block of ice. And as the longer it's doing that, the less efficient the unit becomes. So you'll end up uh, at some point saying, you know, the air conditioner seems to be blowing cold air. Um, it's because that, that uh, coil hasn't been able to do its de-ice cycle and it's just getting worse and worse and worse as far as the ice build up mm -hmm. um, and eventually um, you really just need to you turn it off obviously and and get someone out to come and have a look at it obviously there's an issue somewhere along the way yep so if, if in doubt always just contact someone and yeah, exactly, chat to them about yeah, it a service yeah. service agent it might be something you know really simple it may be something more sinister but um, yeah definitely you don't want to see an outdoor unit that um, is fully iced up on the back of the back of the unit, solid block of ice. It's not going to be doing much. Can that be? And it can also cause damage to the unit as well. Can that be short of refrigerant? Um, yeah, it can be a cause. Uh, it can be caused by um, shortage of refrigerant, um, and that can also it can also cause damage to your compressor as well. So it's pretty important that uh, if you if you see ice build up and it's not going, it's not turning itself into the uh, de-ice mode, then you, you really need to get someone to have a look at it because it can, it can be causing that damage to the compressor and that's obviously gonna cause you, uh, that's gonna you know, be expensive in the long run if you don't get something done about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, next question is, what temperature should I operate my air conditioner at? Now that's, a, that's one that we get quite, uh, asked quite often summer or winter mm. and generally my advice to someone would be to I mean I guess what we're trying to do is uh, is um, replicate a nice 
comfortable temperature outside we're trying to replicate that inside yeah. so if, if you think of a, a nice sort of spring warm day around 23 or 24 degrees tends to be comfortable for most people yeah everyone's different of course we, yeah. we get that but it, it's it, it's a, often a good place to start and if if you find that it's maybe a little bit too cool or too warm you you make a small adjustment by let's say one degree let it sit for half hour yeah. or so and then reassess again and then yeah. make another small change if you get into that um if you get into that mindset of um you know it's it's too hot in here now just go and turn the thing off naturally the temperature drops right away if, if it's on heating or, or increases mm. dramatically when it's on cooling and then you know it's it's heating up surfaces it's heating up the, the, the walls the, the air everything else and so there's a lot more of a temperature differential so the compressor's got to work harder yeah, it's, not, it's not working efficiently if you're yeah. doing that okay um and i guess that's where the when you're looking at the inverter compressor that's what it's designed to do isn't it it's, tr yeah. it's, it's trying to um sort of maintain maintain a, it a, a comfort more, level yeah a um, lot more consistently so i mean it really comes down to what what your comfort level is obviously the lower the temperature in summer the lower the temperature you t you uh, select um theoretically the longer the unit is going to run for so therefore the the more it will cost you to run but having said that if your if your unit's actually the right size as we were talking about before um, even though it's turned down that little bit more um, it's going to get that job done fairly quickly and then and then back off so you know it, that all comes down to again the size of the unit um, but Obviously, the the lower the temperature you go, if you're if you're asking it to be 18 degrees and it's 38 um, outside, then uh, the system's probably going to be running at its you know towards the top end a fair bit of the time, and it will cost you more to run. So, yeah. you know, get it somewhere around 22, 23 degrees. Um, if you want to save a little bit on on your power bill, maybe try 24 if that's going to work better. Um, it's Probably a bit of a bit of I suppose self testing and see over a period of time does it make that much difference? Mm. And this is one that comes up quite a bit as well. Um, is it a good idea to run my air conditioner while I'm not at home? I guess there's lots of concerns, the safety concerns that come come into yeah, when yeah. we hear all these stories on the news or whatever, um, and people, there's that fear factor. Um, and I guess probably the the, the easiest answer there is that it depends on how long you're going to be away away yeah, at the house right. for is that yeah, true yeah. so if you're going to be away for a, a couple of days and yeah. actually you wouldn't but yeah, that's right um if you're going out to uh do the school run uh then you know you don't necessarily want to turn the system off so let's say it is at 23 degrees and it's on cooling what you might want to do is put the temperature up a little bit yeah so maybe 26 degrees yeah Certainly, coming from 35 degrees outside into 26, is a noticeable difference. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and and, and that's just going to the unit will just tick over while you're out, um, keeping that the room and and all all of the contents in the room at that temperature, so 26 degrees. So it's not doing a lot of work, but it's just keeping it at that. When you come home, it's only got a little bit of work to do to get it back to where your comfort level is. Mm. And it's a bit of a mind shift too thing, uh, mind shift thing as well because. I guess people think that it's going to be costing them a fortune and they're not home, but it's not necessarily the case. If, you, if you're doing it sensibly mm. um, and you are manipulating the temperature to not be 
as perhaps as cool as when you are home, then the compressor is going to be not working as hard while you're, while you're home. But if you were to go and turn it off and then yeah. go out and the, and the, everything, the whole whole house heats up again. It's back to 35 you, degrees you, or whatever. Yeah, and you're coming back, you know, perhaps the hottest part of the day. People turn on their air conditioner, the compressor goes, oh, no, you know, I've got so much work to do now. And this is why we blowing transformers and yeah, blackouts right. and stuff. So it's running at its maximum for quite a while to, to get the heat load down again uh, to a point where it can cycle in and out and, and ramp up and ramp down. So, mm. yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, why does it cost so much to run my air conditioner? Now, this is one, this is one that uh, we get asked. Um, and I think... There's a, there's a there's not it's not a clear cut answer to that. I think that no. there's a few that there's a number of factors that come into it. We said before about the um, the capacity size of the unit. If the unit is undersized, naturally it's going to run at a higher capacity for longer. Therefore, running cost increase. Um, I guess the brand is going to come into it to a point too. So the efficiency of, of the unit. Yeah. Um, and, but also, I guess the is um, there is there an issue with the unit? If is there? A, yeah. yeah. If there's a problem with the unit, maybe uh, the system's not working efficiently and 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 causing it to run longer, so therefore using more power. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, should you be using the the system with the windows open? Um, not a good that's idea. That's not a good idea with a re- with a reverse cycle. And this system, is evaporative. You, yeah. you want to be um, shutting your windows and. Um, um, allowing the unit to become efficient, um, and maybe that also the zoning—that's where the zoning comes into it. If you're not, yep. if you're running rooms that you're not necessarily going to be in, uh, kids are at school or whatever, you might want to just shut those room, turn those rooms off, shut the doors to those rooms. Yeah, if you're definitely. not needing to to heat them, turn them off. Yeah, um, just do the just condition the area really that you're in. Hmm. Um, you know, with a ducted system, obviously you don't want to be turning it to the down to a point where it's doing one room um, the units it's designed to do a, a larger area so it needs to be doing your two or three outlets at a time um, to be working efficiently anyway yeah and when, it, when we're talking about ducted systems the other side of that too I guess that we, we said about the maintenance and the servicing side that's that's going to certainly help to oh yeah definitely yeah uh, ensure that's running your to filters it. your filters clean filters will will definitely um, help your uh, running costs um, coils coil cleaning coils yep. out outside coils making sure that the unit's got plenty of air to breathe there's nothing blocking the back of the unit off like leaves or, or plastic bags or things like Pet that. Hair, another people, big one. People put things in front of units um, so they might um, you know, park the car directly straight in front of their, their uh, unit while it's running. Well, that's, that's also going to uh, cause it to run inefficiently, mm. um, increasing your power bills and potentially damaging the unit as well. That's, um, that, you raised a good point there. So we, we actually see that a lot more than it sh- we should and that is where particularly new homes now where you've got um, big homes on on you know we're splitting splitting up blocks mm. putting big homes on them therefore there's there's nowhere to really or well, limited spaces to put an, uh, an outdoor unit generally these days you've got a thousand mil at the side of a house or 900 in mm. some cases and then you've, you've got the front of the house and you don't want to put it there of course and then at the back of the house you've got 
um, okay, your entertaining your area. area. So it's a it's a bit of a, a tricky one. Um, but if you put it down the side of the house, as as you said, Brad, and, it, and it's and you've got limited space, the air is going to be belting itself into that um, into the fence, and mm-hmm. it's going to start that recirculative issue where it's it's regurgitating its own air. Yeah. Um, and that's going to cause all sorts that of problems. That cause a lot of inefficiency issues, and uh, in in a, in a worst case scenario, it can also uh, cause damage to your unit as well. So. Not um, to mention the manufacturer, if there's an issue, yeah, they'll exactly. come down and say, yeah. well, hang on, If it's no, not coming warranty. within their specs, um, then most of them are like, you need 500 minimum in front of the unit. So if it's, if it's under that, it's probably getting to the point where it's, it's not enough air and it's recycling. And then obviously then that's not going to be covered by your warranty. So yep. something to think about there. Yeah. Um, Back on the running costs now. The other side of the of it. Let's talking ducted systems again. Um, you've got the unit. Then on the other side, you've also got the uh, the ducting and the fittings. Now that can they vary quite dramatically in terms of quality, mm. and um, certainly that the 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 insulation blanket that surrounds a duct, um, the thickness varies quite considerably. Yeah. The thermal rating. Um, you know, there's quite a lot of difference there too. Yeah. Um, and if you're prepared to spend a bit more on good quality ducting with that's really well insulated, the thermal rating is high. Mm. Um, I mean, they range from 0.6, I think they are, up to R1, R2 now. Yeah. Um, so the higher the thermal rating on a duct, the better off you're going to be. What we're trying to do there is um, minimise the amount of thermal gain in summer, and that just means that if you've got a 40 degree day and it's 70 degrees up in your roof space, we, we, want, we want to try and minimise the amount of heat that uh, enters the duct, enters the duct right. and therefore changes the temperature of that nice cool air. By the time it hits the room, if, if you've lost uh, or if it's picked up 10 degrees from your roof space, then it's got to go through the cycle over and over again until... Um, until it's it do a lot starts more work to, yeah. get, to get the house to the and that just means your yeah. compressor is going to be running longer kilowatt yeah, exactly, hours again. Yeah, so, yeah. and this and it's had the opposite in winter. Of course, you have thermal losses where that war, nice warm air is dissipating into your roof space. Yeah. So, again, you're going to have it's a nice roll. Not having insulation space. in your roof. If you if you don't have insulation in your roof, you you definitely notice how much uh, difference that makes. You yeah. know. You, you, the, the better insulation quality and, and um, thermal rating, the better. So the, so the ducting um, is, is a huge one and that there's massive um, uh, gains and losses to be made yeah. there. Um, also things like, um, you know, um, where ducts have become detached from yeah. fittings. Yeah. So that's a, that's a fairly common a, we one. We want a, a good sealed system. So yep. the, the, you don't want it to be drawing or sucking in any air from the roof space. Uh, which if you have uh, bad ducting joins and so forth up in the roof on the return air side it can be sucking air into the the unit which is it's going to make it massively inefficient and the same on the other side on the supply air side if you have a, um, a duct come off or whatever you're, you're actually conditioning the roof space and I've gone up into many roofs and you open the manhole and it's like beautiful cool air coming down from the roof in, in the middle of summer. It's yeah. because the, it's a duct or two ducts or something's come off and it's the roof space is beautiful. Yeah. And down inside it's actually quite warm. And not to mention if, if a return duct 
on the return side of the unit has become detached. So it's not only sucking all that hot air, yeah. but it's also sucking a hell of a lot of dust oh, as dust well. and stuff as clogging well. Clogging up so the coil. So that's not going to be good for someone with allergies and it's not going to be good for the unit itself. Yeah. As you said, like yeah. blocking coils and things like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So there's a, there's a couple of little uh, tips there about the, the running cost side. Um, there's lots more factors that we can maybe touch on a bit later yeah. about that sort of stuff. But um, um, how long should my air conditioner last? I guess I think how long these a days, string, I yeah, it's a bit, I mean, you, can, you could have a system that's five years old and, and uh, you have a surge go through the street and blows every board in the... In the um, in the unit, pretty almost, um, you know, putting a new system in mm. at that point. But you know, if if, if you don't have any such any problems like that, well then, I think you should be looking to get ten to fifteen years out of a system these days. I think that's pretty fair. But it's like I yeah. suppose any anything mechanical, yeah, you're you may get, get twenty or, or more. Well, you might you might also get a lemon too, where oh, you, you right, know it's not going to last you. It might be DOA, it might be dead, you know, yeah, the minute you right. turn it on. So Hopefully not, that's, that's you don't the worst want that case scenario. scenario that's the worst case, but, you know, and anywhere in between, happen. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But, uh, but as a rule, 10 to 15 years is probably pretty fair these days yeah, on most yeah. brands, I would have yeah. thought, or reputable brands anyway. Um, can I install it myself? Um, I would say... And I mean by someone yeah, who's I, not, not qualified. Yeah, I would say definitely not. Um, you should really... There's a there's a fair bit that goes into it, especially um, especially a ducted system. Um, there's a lot that um, um, relies on good installation uh, for it to work properly. So I think, I mean, yeah, you'd have to say that you just um, just get someone that knows what they're doing, a company in, do the job, do it properly, mm-hmm. and you're only you're only paying for it once. Yeah, and I think I mean you could say well the ducting and the fittings. You know, that you could probably have a go at it yourself, but is it worth it? I mean, when you look at um, potentially what can go wrong when you've got yeah. th- things like drains, you know, there's, oh, there's potentially right, yeah. water coming into your ceiling space. You've got um, design, that yeah. sort of stuff. If it's not um, you know, installed correctly, you're going to have problems with efficiency and all that sort of stuff yeah, that's too. Right. Your duct design, you know, that's an important part that someone who knows what they're doing will be able to um, obviously design a ducted system so that it's got, um, you know, maximum air flows, um, even air flows right through the whole house, which is very important. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so definitely uh, have someone that knows what they're doing. It's it's the same old, same old thing, you know. You get you get someone that knows knows what they're doing makes uh, makes everything work better. And the most obvious thing, of course, is with any refrigeration system or a, a air conditioning system, you've got to have a refrigerant handling license. Yeah, and obviously an electrical license to to do the the electrical side of it as well. Mm. So um, yeah, definitely uh, make sure that the the people who you you're um, contracting to do your house um, make sure they've got all the qualifications that you uh, you need and you're going to get all of your um, certificates of compliance and all that side of things hmm. yep very cool why is my air conditioner not heating or cooling now there's lots of yeah that's uh, you might want to try turning it on it's <laughs> <laughs> fair but, uh, no it's um there's lots of things that could cause the air, the unit to not um, not heat or cool. Um, so 
generally most of the ducted systems and even the split systems these days they've they have a, a warning system if there's if there's a problem the the light on the system might flash and or there might be a code come up on the screen or whatever um, if you see something like that you want to probably speak to a, a service agent uh, get them to come out and have a look um, obviously you check things first like you might want to just check that the uh, the power switch is on inside your electrical board or the fuse uh, is is okay um, is the switch out by the outdoor unit is that turned on one of the kids might have gone out there and 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 turned that off not knowing what they're doing so you know think the, the basic things like that um, and then if you've checked all of those things, then it's probably a matter of getting a service agent service in agent. to have a look at it. Yeah. One, one uh, a common call that we often get is, um, and I've had quite a few of these uh, this uh, winter, um, my unit's not, uh, not heating. Hmm. Um, and just by asking the question, what temperature do you have it set to? Yeah. Now, if you've got your, it's on heating, <clears throat> but I mean, and it's set to, um, you know, 20, 21 degrees yeah. there's a fair chance that the thermostat is saying well I don't need to be heating at the moment it could already be 21 inside that's the house that's right and yeah. so there's not enough of a temperature differential between what you're asking it to do versus what the actual room temperature is yeah. and just by sort of saying well let, let's just test it out and bump the temperature up to say 26 degrees or 28 degrees and let's see if it cuts in and more often than not yes it does it cuts in um, and they just put it back down to 20 Whatever, whatever their comfortable temperature is. Um, this is also a big one uh, when you've got the, um, it, when it's sensing at the at ceiling height at the return vent yep. um, and you've got all the, often the warm air sitting up around the ceiling yep. and so the unit is thinking that the house is nice and warm when in fact it's not down in ground level. Yeah. So by shifting the sensing point from perhaps the return vent down to the wall controller or having it sensing at ground level can overcome that issue as yeah, well. Or, or a little bit off ground level, but yeah. yeah you or know, not ground you level, know, but at, at sort of, yeah, one, so at our well, level. Generally you're sensing around 1.4, 1.5 metres off the, off the ground level because that's where our living space is. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Anyway, so, um, so look, we've, there's lots more to get through. We might save that for another another episode, but yeah, I'm get, my voice is getting a bit dry. Yeah, yeah, time, for enough, beer, yeah time for a beer, I think. Time for beer. So, uh, yeah, look, um, guys, thanks again for, for uh, hanging around and listening to us. Um, uh, if you get a chance, please, we'd encourage you to jump onto uh, iTunes and uh, give us a five-star review, make a nice comment. It's always reassuring and... Um, Nice to hear that we're... Say something nice. Say something nice if, if you can. <laughs> thumbs up, not thumbs down, preferably. <laughs> That's right. So, guys, until next time, we'll, uh, we'll catch you around. Right, see you later. That's all for this episode of the Air Conditioning Podcast. Be sure to stop by at airconditioningpodcast.com to connect with us, as well as on Facebook and Twitter, and join in the conversation. Until next time, stay tuned, stay positive, and stay cool.